Hello and welcome to an emergency episode of The Huddle. The Brisbane Bullets parting ways with head coach James Duncan. A year and a half into a three-year contract, a mid-season move on a head coach, something we don't see very often in the NBL. And to break it down, I've got Derek Rucker on the show, of course, 1990 MVP. And from a broadcast perspective, our man on the ground in Brisbane has been following this team very closely over the last few years and uh, knows what he's talking about when it comes to everything, but in particular, the Brisbane Bullets. So sit back, relax. Up next, Derek Rucker. Ruck, wow, wild times in Brisbane. We'll talk about that in detail in just a sec. But firstly, how you going, Matt? Fantastic, Liam. Uh, life is good up here. Keeping very busy with Derek Rucker basketball. Trying to establish a real stronghold here with junior basketball like you guys have done so successfully for decades down in Victoria. Um, Southeast Queensland is making moves. I'm very happy with how my players are going post-junior basketball. So it's all good up here, man. Good stuff, man. Well, speaking of making moves, the Bullets have made a move today. And I, um, I rung the, the siren. I sent out the bat signal. And uh, luckily for me, you were available and ready to jump on. What, what was your and is your initial reaction to the news that the Bullets have parted ways with James Duncan, their head coach? Well, knowing James as a person, you never like to see anyone lose their position. Um, so... I'm a bit, I'm sad for James because I think he's a, he's a pleasant man. I think he knows basketball. Um, but at the same time, I'm also shocked. I'm, I'm shocked at the timing of it, Liam. Um, certainly, I don't think you want to make a move like this at this time of the week before you depart for one of your biggest games of the season. And we keep talking about the next Brisbane game as being their biggest game of the season. But as they're sitting at three and six, heading down to New Zealand. Not exactly an easy beat now, Liam, as we've seen. They're really tough. And I think you just need everything going in your favor to just be able to compete, let alone beat that team down there. So I'm shocked by that. I'm also shocked that the Bullets took priority in replacing the coach over finding that next import spot. And I just don't understand. They let Devondrick Walker go three weeks to the day. And they have yet to get a guy in here to replace him and, and bolster this team that obviously isn't talented enough to compete with the top teams in the competition. So that's the second thing that's kind of shocked me. Um, and I don't know where the blame lies there. If it's their financial reasons, if they're logistical reasons, I don't know what it is. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at the moment. But because it's all fresh, Liam, I'm sure some other emotions and ideas are going to percolate while we go through this podcast right now. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack about this situation because there's a lot that relates to it that has come before. Um, we, we talk, you use the word shock. I'm not shocked that we've arrived at a place where Brisbane have parted ways with James Duncan. That That doesn't... That doesn't surprise me because what were they 10 and 18 in year one of his tenure there and then uh, loaded up, you know, Aaron Baines, Tyler Johnson, re-signed uh, Nathan Sobey, had some really nice pieces. D uh, DJ Mitchell, 
uh, bringing in a guy who really hasn't been in Australia for his you know life, but you can play him as a local. We've got a got a lineup there that can do some things, and then they start zero and five. We've been having conversations like, "Oh, who's been the most impressive team? Who's been the most underwhelming team?" And certainly over the first part of the season, the bullets fell into that second category. So from that point, I felt like, geez, they're really going to have to turn this around for James to be the coach again next season was what the way I was starting to think. So yeah, the surprise is perhaps more along the timing, especially when you think about the fact that after an 0-5 start, they didn't make the move then. Then they win three games in a row. Now, two of them were against the Illawarra Hawks, who were struggling, are struggling all season, but were struggling. Yeah, in particular but they beat them time. like they were supposed to beat them, Liam. They beat them properly. Then they went down and beat Tasmania, who are a very tough beat. And then they lost to Ken. So they've won three of their last four games. You could see some improvement on the floor. Meanwhile, the CEO heads to the States, meets with ownership they sit down and decide that the right move is to part ways with James Duncan. And I guess, I, I think you're right, I think, in terms of the team's probably in the air to New Zealand right now, if not already arrived. So that's kind of bizarre. But I guess once as an ownership level, you decide that it's time to move on from your head coach. I think from that point, there's no point hanging around. Like if that's the place you've arrived at, time to move forward. Okay, yes, I, I agree with all of those things, and that's, that's very well said. The evidence is, yep, they got off to an 0-5 start. Their three wins out of their last four games. Aaron Baines was returning from injury. Nathan Sobey was returning from injury. Tyler Johnson's had infrequent basketball over the past two to three years. Those were all facts not to be disputed. Now the interpretation, how do we look at those things? Okay, Aaron Baines is is he's looking okay, all right? He wasn't great against Cairns, but I think that's due to Cairns is always going to be a bad matchup for him. Yeah. Okay, Cairns posed a lot of problems, as we're finding out. Nathan Sobey didn't play well against Cairns either, but he's on the way back to Nathan Sobey-type basketball. We know that to be uh, – that's a pretty solid interpretation, I feel, Liam. Tyler Johnson looks fine. In my opinion, he looks fine. He's playing solid basketball. The team, as a whole, I thought was going in the right direction, okay? Mm -hmm. Again, this is my opinion. You may disagree, but I think most basketball people felt this way. So at this point, why disrupt things? Why not ride it out? Again, get me another player. They went into that Cans game undermanned, essentially. Mm -hmm. Imagine if they would have had a Devondra Walker, someone who I felt they gave up too early on. I don't know why they got rid of him. Liam, you're a married man, so I'm going to give you some information. Don't <laughs> leave your current girlfriend until you've got a new one lined up. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, for the record, there's, I'm not moving and shaking in any regard. I'm very happily uh, solidified right now. Um, let me take things back a little further, just to yeah. add some extra depth of understanding to the conversation for our listeners. Because I was told during the offseason there was a bit going on in this regard in Brisbane. Uh, I had some texts going back and forth with some people and, and had some conversations letting me know. Um, I got told that there was a meeting that took place, I'm going to say in about May this year. James Duncan was in Germany at the time. 
um, with family and uh, we were in the heart of the off season uh, ahead of summer league and the like um, where Sam McKinnon, Nathan Sobey, Jason Kadee, these guys met. And my understanding was the head coaching position, James Duncan was the primary topic of that conversation. Now that's the extent to which I know about that, but it felt like the walls were kind of closing in on him and his position at that point. Things move forward from there. He was the head coach heading in to the season. Um, as we said, they got off to that 0-5 start. Now, you talk about the, the move with Devondrick Walker. Um, it is bizarre that they haven't been able to fill that spot whilst in, you know pivoting towards um, moving on from the head coach. Uh, my understanding was that there is some interest there in Brisbane it, from some people in Jacob Wiley as a potential guy to come into that squad, but it hasn't been able to get over the line for whatever reason. Uh, it's worth also going back to the fact that in the off season, they had a late start to their activity in free agency. People who were paying attention might remember me talking about the fact that they were sorting out some budget considerations at the time, the bullets. And so they weren't able to go on opening day, opening week of free agency into the market and make offers. And as a result, they had to go things in a different direction. So yeah. you combine all of that with what happened three or four weeks ago with DJ Mitchell blowing up at practice. Um, that's the, the in-house suspension that took place there. There's been a lot of volatility within this organization over the past six, nine months arriving at this point. And that's, that's a great synopsis of everything that has transpired. And you're starting to touch on what I think is the fundamental issue here in Brisbane is the lack of visible and tangible ownership group or person. No one knows who they're accountable to ultimately. Even people at games, sponsors and so forth, they don't see the grand plan. And that has to come from ownership. Liam, you've been around this league for decades and you know whether it's this sport, AFL, NRL, wherever it is, strong ownership leads to outstanding results. It doesn't mean you win the championship every year, but you're gonna be damn close to contending every year if your ownership group is in place. Look at, what's, look at what's happened with the Sydney Kings. Paul Smith is in there. People are critical of him. People say, oh, he talks too much. He does this. He does that. i tell you what. I bet you those Kings players know that he has their back. I bet you he's accessible. And if there's anything that's going down, there is a clear chain of command. And everyone understands how that chain of command operates, who you need to talk to. When that is absent, Man, things are a mess. And that's what we have here is a mess. Almost every game that I cover with Brisbane, there is drama on the bench. And I always talk about how exciting the games are. They're very exciting games, Lee. And we, we talk about this all the time. Brisbane will look great for a patch. The other team will look great. Brisbane will go on a run. There'll be dunks, threes, dumb plays. You get it all out of Brisbane Bullets home game. And it's great sporting TV. But I want to see less of that a little bit more boredom and more W's, more conservative, just approach towing the line, a bit more company policy mm -hmm. right throughout it. But you can only have company policy if you've got ownership directives. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, it's, you're bang on what you're saying there about games in Brisbane right now. That, that used to be in Perth. I used to say Ish always goes down 
in the jungle and you just need as a you, you got to be glued in as a viewer because there's something's always going to happen but as an opposing team you've just got to talk about that in advance and just be like listen something crazy is going to happen we got to work our way through it like you, when you're hanging out down the brisbane end there's always things grabbing your attention when you're hanging out down the other end you got an owner there in matt walsh you're like oh what is going on here with this breakers team who's calling the subs so you're right there's always stuff going on in brisbane at the moment can, uh, hold on, Liam. Can we talk about Matt Walsh? What, is he still an owner of New Zealand? Well, this this kind of speaks a little bit to your point you're making there because he um, he actually has been absent, if you want to use that term in recent times, and that team is flying right But now. he was too much over the top. I thought his involvement was a distraction. Right. Um, then you've got a, an owner like Romy Chowdhury with Southeast Melbourne, who is very rarely on the ground here and isn't, you know, necessarily spending much time with his players and around his group. And that organization seems to have a pretty kind of consistent chain of command. So I, I don't know it necessarily. You have to have them there at the game, sitting courtside, going crazy with a loud T-shirt on. No. But you have to have some kind of organization within your club that is, you know, is working and is is key. Um, so do you think... Now we've got we've got a lot to unpack here because Sam McKinnon, the GM of basketball, is now the interim head coach, which is wild. That is just, <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about a mid-season move on a coach rarely happening. The last time that happened was in 2015, when Damian Cotter was moved on from the Sydney Kings. Hasn't happened yeah. mid-season since then. You talk about a, a someone stepping out of the front office into the head coaching role. I mean. Was it Cal Bruton in 1990 the last time? I mean, I can't think of another time since then. He went on to win the championship that year. Um, so it's a, it's a remarkable thing to happen. He's got the interim tag. They have come out as a club and said, we're going to assess our, what's going to be the next best step in, our, uh, in this process from a club. But let's talk about that move to begin with. The, sure. Does that shock you that that it's not Greg Vanderjacked, for example, stepping up as the the interim head coach? That Sam McKinnon's going to step from the GM of basketball role and grab the whiteboard? Wow. Okay. So, and I'm just being straight up and honest. I always felt that the Bullets coaching staff was a bit inexperienced, and that goes to the assistant coaches as well. You know, when you when you measure up against say the Sydney Kings, when you're looking at the brain power of a Daniel Kicker or a Kevin Lish, like that's, those are some tough assistant coaches to go head to head with. Now, the mere fact that they went beyond their assistant coaches to bring in an interim head coach does say something about those assistant coaches. And it's, it's a harsh reality in the sports world, but if I was maybe one of those assistant coaches, I'd probably feel a little something about Sam coming down. Now, I'm getting a lot of texts, a lot of messages asking me how qualified is Sam? Well, Sam did win a championship at the pre-NBL1 level up here. He had a loaded team with Will Magne, Jason Kadi, Aaron Anderson. They won it for the Brisbane Capitals. Mm -hmm. We know that guys can come and get on the coaching hot seat 
and perform without having major experience. It's been done all over the world. It's not necessarily in vogue now, but it's done more now than it has been in the past. Now, the, 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 the most successful person ever to go from a GM seat or a front office position to a head coaching seat is Greg Popovich. So I don't know if Greg Popovich has, I don't know if Greg Popovich and Sam have any links. Maybe Sam can hit up Matty Nielsen and get some, get some advice on the fly. Right. But the big thing here with this club is can Sam get the buy-in of Aaron Baines and Nathan Sobey? Those are the two guys that I feel, and I don't know for a fact, again, this is my belief, I think James Duncan had a tough time reaching those two guys and getting them to toe the line in terms of what he wanted from game plan, practice approach, so forth, and, and ways to win basketball games. And if you can't get those two guys on board, you've got problems. It's really interesting because James Duncan was saying and preaching all the right things about mm. this team he's right when he came in and took over that role that 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 team had a soft underbelly teams knew they could score against brisbane and that was a group jason Kadee and lamar patla were always going to put points on the board on a regular basis and but you knew as a team you weren't going to have much of a tough time scoring so in the preparation for a brisbane game you didn't need to talk about how you're gonna you need to avoid the dribble handoff with with Shay Illy, or you need to how we who are we get how do we avoid Derek Parton coming out and making life difficult for us? On you don't have to worry about any of that type of stuff. It was just what are we going to do defensively against this group? So he comes in and says, "We're I, we have to turn from being one of the worst defensive teams in the league to one of the best." And that's not going to happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in season one. He came into the start of this season saying, "We got Aaron Baines on the roster." He's a big, loud, strong voice that's going to work with me on keeping everybody accountable at that end of the floor. But they haven't made massive improvements in that regard. Some, but not great. And then as a result, here we are. Now, the other thing to all of that is, well, what's the team that he has had to work with? And my biggest criticism of this group is the, the idea that there is no actual true point guard on this roster. I think when you have two guys on the roster that are both high-level players but are ostensibly the same kind of player, yeah, you have you wind up having problems, and that's what I think they've got right now in Nathan Serbi and Tyler Johnson. They're both scoring combo guards, and yep. there's no point guard on the floor. Well, this again, there's so many issues that revolve around this when you talk about their defensive inefficiencies and how many points in particular they, they give up at home. Maybe they just don't have the defensive talent for what he wanted to do, Liam. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that defensively, standalone defensively, I always thought the thing was to do was to slow it down offensively, but then that doesn't necessarily fit your offensive talents. Mm. So you're, you're caught in this to and fro Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's very, very tough. And one of the things I thought the other day was that I thought James Duncan did a good job of making adjustments in the first half against Cans, but Cans just beat them playing basketball. And that's what you're saying. Like Cans didn't really need to try and 
uh, focus on one particular thing. They just play general good basketball and beat them with basketball ability, mm -hmm. effort, um, athleticism, and just being a more united team. Mm. And, and that's what it comes down to. Who can make critical plays when it matters most? And you saw when Brisbane went on a Brisbane went on a 12-0 run to take a seven-point lead. The place is going nuts. And Cairns just said, okay, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And they go on a 14-1 run, game over. Mm. And Brisbane made a little mini run, but you knew at that point that Cairns knew that they were in charge of the stick shift and mm. they, could, they could change gears at their disposal and they were in charge of that game. So, man, it, it really is a tough thing. But Sam McKinnon apparently was in charge of putting this personnel on the floor. So who's the fault here? The coach trying to coach some people that maybe he doesn't feel suit his style of, of game or coaching or the head of basketball operations who assembled this group that doesn't seem to fit. I thought Tyler Johnson and maybe I bought into it a little bit too much. I thought Tyler Johnson had more point guard in him than he's shown. And, you know, that's what the public up here was led to believe that a point guard was coming in here. Tyler has moments, but they're all the same. I don't, I don't see a true, where's your true one? No, they don't have one. They don't have one on the roster. So it, it, it does work out interesting now that Sam is going to be coaching this team. Now he's got the interim tag on. What, what chance is there, do you think, that he coaches out the rest of this season? I think budgetary constraints might dictate that Liam if you didn't want to make moves say the Jacob Willie acquisition because Jacob would not be cheap say that was turfed due to budgetary problems then certainly you can't bring in another import pay James Duncan out bring in another coach like that's not good sports business you know if that's the case I would have kept Duncan made sure I spent everything on getting this next import right. Actually, I would have had him out here before the Cans game. Not taking this long to get an import is inexcusable. It's a dereliction of duty. I don't know who should be, you know, flicked on the nose for that, but that, that, that's terrible. Um, so that's kind of the way I see it, Liam. And well, worth flagging, worth flagging that if you were to bring in Jacob Wiley, he couldn't play straight away. I think he might have a week or two maybe to go on the terms of his release yes. from his Japanese team saying. Correct, but at least you start to generate some, you start to create the right vibration, some expectation, some hope, some True. optimism. Right True. now it's just all up in the air. Like what's going on? Who are we looking at? Okay, so what if it's not Sam McKinnon? What, what if they're able to work through those budget issues? They, they bring in a replacement for Devondrick Walker in the next little while. And they are starting right now behind the scenes to speak to potential new head coaches. Who do you think that should, could, or possibly might be? Wow. It's, it's, it's the peak season. Like there's, there's limited choices out there. I mean, I'm trying to think of guys, even like, like some of the guys, the older Australian coaches are now taking jobs in Asia. Mm -hmm. Like there's better money on offer over there, Liam, you know that. 
and the treatment, the everything is, is really good. They've lifted that side of the game so that the transition from Australia to Asia probably is, isn't as painful as it once was. Okay. Now, who's out there? Wow. Well, let me throw some names at you. Throw, please. Joey Wright's out there. No, not a chance. Mm, Robert, why not? Joey, I talked to him this morning. He's very satisfied with his job at the moment. Uh, you know, I kind of described the dysfunction to him, and he's like, nope, don't need it. Rob Beveridge is out there. He might not be bad in, with this team. Bev, Bevo has always done a good job of kind of getting everybody on board. But, again, been out of the league for a minute now. Um, things change quickly. Is it worth it? Again, with the expense, I would probably be, be more inclined just, just to let Sam go, but hit me with somebody else. All right. Judd Flavels out there. Now, well, that Judd, was the big rumor. Judd came, is my understanding, really, really close to getting this job at the beginning of last season when it ended up going to James Duncan. Now, obviously, CJ Bruton's hat was also in that ring as the assistant to Lamanis that was if they wanted to go in-house. But my understanding is there was some support within the organization for hiring Judd Flavel, and it ended up going to James Duncan. Now, Judd Flavel, of course, long, long-time assistant coach in this league, coached for years in New Zealand under Andre and Dean Vickerman and Paul Hanare and uh, most recently an assistant coach with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, helping to build that club up from a startup organization. And in recent times, he has moved out of the assistant coaching role. I would imagine, and I get the sense as part of a process to sort of remove this idea yep. that he's just an assistant coach and to have people understand that he's a head coach waiting in the wings. Now, I think he would be a great hire myself. I, I, I was saying this about Adam Ford three or four, maybe five years ago when eventually he got that role in Sydney. Maybe it didn't work out as a perfect match there, but we can see he's doing an outstanding job in Cairns right now. Sometimes people look at a guy and say they can only see him as an assistant because they've only seen that previously. Of course. But I think Judd Flavel, who has head coaching experience in New Zealand, in the NZNBL and is a just knows this league inside and out and has a very good understanding, especially from his time with the breakers of mm. what a great culture within an organization needs to look like. Yep. I think he'd be a guy they should call back up and say, Hey, listen, it didn't go your way last time, but would you be able to come back in? Yeah, and I heard his name pretty strongly rumored about three weeks ago. In fact, I had I messaged one of my friends in the United States and said, this is what I'm hearing. Um, and I don't know where that went. Oh, actually, the Bullets won three in a row. So that kind of that kind of died pretty quickly. But I've heard great things about Judd. Um, obviously, we're all familiar with his work as assistant coach. And I think from a strategic point of view, he's done exactly what you said. Remove that you know, career assistant coach tag, um, let some time, you know, let's let time do its thing. But again, I really think that the bullets, you know, you can't bring another guy in here. Let Sam go ahead and coach this season out, see if he can consolidate things. You might've stumbled onto something. Maybe this is Sam's, 
Maybe this is where he belongs, and maybe this is the right person for the job. He's got experience here. As a player, he had one of the most uh, – he had one of the greatest individual seasons in NBL history in 2007. And, you know, he knows a lot of people here. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, like it's still going to be hard to evaluate him. And going back to James Duncan for a second, I don't think we can evaluate him as a coach here based on, you know, what he's had to deal with. It really hasn't been um, smooth sailing for him from from the front office perspective and so forth. Because I know when we have basketball conversations, his basketball X's and O's are outstanding. He's a good guy. He knows what he's trying to do. So, you know, I, my, my advice would be don't let this kind of identify you right now. You just have to move on and understand that, you know, your best days of coaching are well and truly ahead of you. Yeah, I think that's a really great call because I'm not sure I totally agree with we can't, judge him as a coach at all because i think that well, what do you think harder. one thing i do think is that these that the people in these kind of roles are always better the second or third or fourth time around and it's just a matter of whether they get that opportunity or yep. not now adam ford is a great example of that right now um think about a guy like trevor gleason i mean he was great in terms yeah. of coach of the year went to melbourne it was a weird situation that didn't work out. And then in his third job, that's when he became one of the greatest coaches in all of all time in the NBL. Look at a guy like Michael Voss, if you want to talk about a different code, who it didn't work out for him as a coach in, in Brisbane. And now it's been, he's doing really, really well and he's highly regarded at Carlton. So I would say this would definitely be the case with JD. You learn from the experience of going, yeah. This is what I did that time. It didn't work. I'm going to do it differently this time around. I'm going to start from, from the get-go, from day yep. one. This thing that I, I tried to bring in four or five weeks into them, I'm going to bring that in on day one this time around. So I think that that's, that's a great point that you made. And, you're, and we always talk about this, but we primarily use this concept as it applies to imports. But fit is so important. Mm -hmm. And this fit wasn't right for James Duncan. That's the bottom line. Um, and, you know, also I thought that um, um, Will Weaver, even though Will Weaver took the Kings to a grand final, I didn't think that fit was as good for him as the fit is for Chase Buford. Okay. Interesting. The other part is what you were talking there about Sam McKinnon and, and your suggestion of like, hey, maybe it's just best to let him coach out the season. And who knows, you might, you might stumble upon a guy who is just mm. built for this and it's perfect for him. It, 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 I find it interesting that he has been put in this position with the interim tag over his head because that doesn't always happen. Now, I talked about Cal Bruton coming in in 1990 out of the front office. He came in as the head coach. No interim. He was yeah. two games on. He moved on. Who was it? Alan Black. Yeah. And he took over the team as the head coach. Uh, let's think of another example. When Chris Anstey, after one game of the, the Melbourne United, they lose to Cairns at home. They move on from Chris Anstey or he walks away. DMAC comes into that position and he was given the title of head coach and he coached out the rest of the year. This, Sam coming in with the interim tag suggests to me he maybe doesn't want to be the head coach. And that well. he has, and I don't know that to be true. 
I don't know that to be true, but that's the, that's what it suggests to me that maybe he's saying, listen, yeah, I'll hold the fort, but let's get moving on finding someone else. Well, I know that James Duncan was still coaching this team as of yesterday. I know as of last game, last home game, when I spoke to Sam prior to the game, that he was fully invested in being the GM of basketball. And he was on the search for imports and hoping to have something done soon. So for him to make this move or be put in this position, who knows? Maybe they're like, you know what? You put this team together, you go coach it. I don't know. <laughs> but now that he's in this position, um, maybe he wanted the interim tag so it didn't look like he was a snake or trying to backstab James Duncan because there's going to be plenty of that stuff going down. And I'm not saying he did or he didn't, but you know, Liam, when you come down out, of, it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. And no, it look, doesn't. At the, look at the, look at the years, the decades of misinformation and bad talk Cal Bruton had to bear for doing what happened with Alan Black. And he won the championship that year. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. Sam may be protecting himself or maybe with Peter being in the United States, they're working the network over there, trying to pry somebody free, trying to find an assistant somewhere in the NBA or G League. And, and maybe maybe Peter's going to come back with a, with a new head coach for Christmas, Peter. Uh, Peter's going to bring a new head coach back with him, Liam. Maybe, maybe. I doubt yeah. it. It is a remarkable situation. The other one I was thinking of as an example was Mark Beecroft. Was it 2009 with the Cairns type? Alan Black was involved again. The team was placed in, in the hands of administrators and they moved Black on. Beecroft took over as the head coach, but I'm pretty sure he was an assistant at the time and he moved into the front office later after that fact. So this is a, a, a situation that you do not see very often in sport. Can I tell you what's dry? Like, I'm so curious right now. Like, now I've got new emotions that are coming. And now I'm like curious, like, okay, so what was that first meeting when Sam came? Like, I came into the meeting. I was like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm your interim head coach now. I'm taking over. What are they going to do strategically? So they've got to continue to play with JD stuff because they just made the change today, right? They might be on their way to, they might be on their way to New Zealand right now. Like, how does that go down? Sam, well, let me ask somebody you else's system. You've been standing on that sideline and, and Sam sits close to the bench. On the road, he sits right behind the bench often. At Brisbane, he often will stand like right where you spend a lot of your time during the games. What have you observed in him from a body language perspective during games? Is there Have you seen some frustration about, you know, visible in him at times? Um, what, what do you think he's going to be like as the interim head coach? Sam never really gives much away. He doesn't really, you know, wear his feelings outwardly too much. Um, look, I sensed, I sensed more frustration in his role rather than anything with, with the team. If you get me, I think he probably wants to do some things and might feel somewhat Mm. hamstrung yes hamstrung he might feel that he's not really able to 
implement or do the things that he sees necessary to win. And there may be justifiable reasons why he's not allowed to do that. But he, he keeps it pretty quiet um, during the home games. I think, you know, he, there's a lot going on. You know how those things are when you're at home. You're trying to see a little bit of everything. Yeah. But he sits there. I don't see there's no real interaction between himself and J.D. during the games. Right. I see more of that on the road, I think, where he kind of whispers in the ear. The assistant coach is maybe trying to get a get an idea of what's going on. But, man, this is like I said, I, I you know, to continue on, it's like, OK, well, you know, with his relationship with with Vandy and P.C. now going forward, you know, how does that relationship translate? from maybe the guy that, you know, the agent was doing deals with to now he's the head coach. Do any of those players have animosity because perhaps their contracts didn't go? There are so many variables to this all of a sudden now, Liam. And this is for one reason why it doesn't happen a lot because people Mm -hmm. want to avoid crossing all these lines. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why, I don't know, that's why I feel like maybe it's a one or two week thing that we'll see Sam in that role. Well, I think I think the basketball purist in you isn't comfortable with this arrangement. That, that that's probably fair. It's it's taken and, a little. And I'm I'm not that uncomfortable with it. I'm more uncomfortable with the fact that you got rid of Duncan when he seemed to be kind of getting things together, and some yeah. players seemed to be getting healthier. I'm yeah. more uncomfortable with that. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, it's all feels a little uncomfortable, right? Like it's a, it's, that's why I described it as kind of wild times in Brisbane right now. All right. So to finish up, let me ask you this often when a move like this happens, there is a short term energy boost or competitiveness in enhancement, like a sugar hit for, for a want of a better term where the team elevates its play. And sometimes it's able to sustain that for a period of time. And you're, it was the move that changed everything. We talked about the championship that Cal won in 1990. Uh, other times it's, it lasts for only a bit of a short time. Sometimes it doesn't even happen. Could you see that happening with this Brisbane team through all of the turmoil and the chaos, them going to New Zealand, for example, and beating this red hot breakers team on Sunday? Okay, so let's look at their next three games, Liam. They're down in New Zealand. They're back home next Thursday for Perth. And then on the following Sunday, they remain here for Tassie. If you ever are going to get a sugar hit and you want that sugar hit to be sustainable, it needs to be these next three games. I think they'll get a little bit of a lift um, this weekend. I don't think it will be enough to win. Because I can't really see strategically anything happening new that is going to make me believe that this team is good enough to beat New Zealand without another impact player. I just think New Zealand defensively, how are Brisbane going to be able to put points on the board down there? They've got a little bit of a schedule advantage here. So this is their only game of the weekend. New Zealand, after the, the wild travel they had last week, where they played in Tassie in Launceston and then had to make their way back through flight cancellations and play a rested Adelaide team, got back at 3 a.m. in the morning and still somehow won that game. Now they go to Cairns, no direct flight from Auckland to Cairns, by the way, because that's only in New Zealand. So you've got to go through multiple connections there. 
and on the way back to play a Brisbane team that's probably just sitting there waiting for you to arrive. So the accumulation of all that might get to the breakers. We'll yeah. see. There is an advantage in that plate in that regard. But all things being equal, yeah, you, would, you wouldn't imagine that that would happen. So having, having been told that by you now, I would make that game a bit tighter, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Brisbane sugar hit could lift them. But even if, even if they play tight and lose that game, now you get the down. You get the down. It's, this is just, you know, guys going to be like, this is the same old thing. We change coaches. It's the same old thing. Here we go again. And for the love of God, do not get blown out in that game. In New Zealand. Yeah. If they get blown out in that game, Liam, it's all going to fall apart. And they're going to have a hungry Perth team, a desperate Perth team, because Perth are a, a team that are like, can they go two years in a row without making it? I think they're going to. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what that, where that, that change usually happens in this situation. It's because the players want to show and say to the basketball world or the sporting world, it was him, not us. So if, if they continue to struggle and lose games here, then it will appear like, well, hold on. Geez. Was it James Duncan or was it this group? not getting it done so sam the group they're all in it together now to try to win games to try to make that statement look they have shown at times this year in the first nine games they had sydney on the ropes they had southeast melbourne on the ropes Mm. they had tazzy on the ropes in game one that's three games they're three and six if they would have won two of those they're five and four be a whole different story and yet, here we are. The head coach is no longer. The GM of basketball is the interim head coach. And we wait to see how things play out from here. We assume they're still in the import market, looking for a, place, a replacement for Devondrick Walker. We assume, with Sam McKinnon having the interim tag on his head, that they're in the coaching market as well. So much going on with this Brisbane Bullets team. And we've only just taken the first couple of tiny little steps to try and make sense of it. So true, man. So true. Well, I'm looking forward to a great weekend. Uh, I don't have any games this weekend with the bullets being away, but uh, let me tell you, I'll be glued to the TV this weekend. Nothing to do, Liam, except watch some NBL. Awesome, man. Well, thanks heaps for coming on emergency pod and uh, your availability. Availability is the best ability, mate, but you have the combination (laughs) of being available and then coming on and smashing it with your insights. So thanks, mate. Always great to chat and we'll speak again soon. Thanks for having me, Liam.